We are difference makers. Say, so we're difference, difference makers. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, this what if thing, we can say it all day long. What if the church did this? What Listen, we're doing it. Not all of us, but most, a lot of us are doing it. But here's the thing. God wants all of us to be a part of this. He wants all of us to get in on this incredible journey, this incredible adventure of being a Christian and living a life that's above the norm, that we don't, we, we don't want to settle. Say, I don't want to settle this morning. We're doing this series called Autumn, and, and so I, I want to share this. This is what the Lord laid on my heart last week. Remember, the, the, the disciples were asking Jesus, why are you teaching parables? Because the Pharisees, he said, well, the Pharisees are listening, but they don't hear. They're the seeing, but they don't perceive. And he said this, and I want to speak this over you again this, this morning. And then Jesus said this, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. That's who you are this morning. So I want you to pray this with me. Lord, Lord may, your word penetrate my heart today. may your word penetrate my heart today. My heart is good soil. My heart is good soil. May your word transform my mind today. It's not just good information. It is life to me. It is life to those who I come in contact with. Do y'all really believe that? See, if you really believe that, you won't leave here the same as when you came in. If you really believe that you make a difference because you are the church, you are the temple of God, as you walk out of this place, if you really believe that you make a difference and that the Holy Spirit lives and resides inside you, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, if you truly believe that, you will leave this place and you'll make a difference wherever you go today and the next day and the next day and the next day. But you got to believe that. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to read this statement that I'm, I want you to read and get this in your heart about this, this sermon series called Autumn. Okay, would you read it with me? Boop, there it is. Isn't that cool? Just snap. Okay, here, with me, together. This is a season to cultivate, transform, multiply, and empower believers to advance the kingdom of God. Do y'all believe that this is the season for that? Because God has been moving us his direction. And even with us beginning to be a part of IBTV, and we want to welcome everybody that watches IBTV today, uh, this is a really a great honor for us to be a part of, of uh, Tom and Karen Smetley's dream, uh, their vision. And so we thank God for IBTV. That was just a commercial. You can edit that out if you want to. But, hey, I'm so thankful for people that have a kingdom mindset, aren't you? Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about the... the the word cultivate today. That's the second part. That's part two of this, uh, of this autumn series. Say cultivate. cultivate. Now cultivate usually means it talk, when we say cultivate, most of our minds go to immediately to farming. And we have people that are gardeners here. And, it, and so it's normally a, a term for gardening or farming. And it, here's what it means. It means to till, to plow, to dig, to prepare. It is to prepare, prepare the land for, for the crops. And when you till your garden, how many of you have a garden and you've tilled the soil before? You, you rent one of those tillers or you buy a tiller and you get by, you break up that soil so you, can, so you can plant something that it will grow so you can have a beautiful garden, you can have food to eat. So when we talk about cultivate, a lot of times it's talk about it in farming or gardening terms, but it's more than that. Because we'll speak about that when we talk about multiplying. We're going to be talking about cultivation. But another term, our definition for cultivate is to develop something 
like a relationship, an attitude, or actually to work on something to improve it. How many of you ever heard, I'm cultivating a relationship with my boss? I'm cultivating a relationship with this girl that I really do like, and I hope she likes me. So you're working on how, you, how you're going to improve that relationship so you cultivate it. Now, as a pastor, as pastors, as Mary Lou and I are pastors of this church, we, we want to cultivate this mindset within you that in, in, as, as we're cultivating it within ourselves to bring, to inspire you, to encourage you, to change your attitude about some things, to develop some things in the kingdom of God so we can advance the kingdom of God. That's what God has called us to do. We want to cultivate a, a kingdom mindset. We want to cultivate a mindset of Jesus Christ. We want to cultivate the mind of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, we have to do some things to to get your mind into that place of transformation so you can walk in the things that God has called you to walk in. And not just on a Sunday morning, but every day of the week, all the time, in your family, in your, in your, in your job, in your school, wherever you happen to go. We want to help you to cultivate this season of your life to bring glory to God and advance the kingdom of God. Are you with me on that? All right, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is a God of miracles? Do you believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Same God, amen? Okay, do y'all believe that? Uh, Do you believe that he is a mountain mover? Do you believe that he's the healer? Do you believe that he's the provider? Do you believe that he's still in the miracle working business? Okay, if you really believe that, then you've already, you're on the road to being, have a, a cultivation of your mind, a transformation of your mind to do the things that God, that Jesus did when he said we would do the greater works. Do y'all believe that we're supposed to do the greater works? Yes. Do you believe we're supposed to lead people to Jesus? Yes. Do you believe we're supposed to lay our hands on the sick so that they would recover? If see, all these things are things that we preached and we preached and we preached for 21 years that God is the same and he wants to do incredible things, not through me and through Mary Lou or through the pastors on staff. That's sure for all of us, but it's for every one of us. He's called us to live this kind of a lifestyle. See, we, we could be run by programs. Did you know there are mega churches that are run on programs? And, but they don't really talk much about the Holy Spirit. They don't talk much about the gifts. But they're run on programs and they grow and they grow and they grow because they're getting some, some word, something's going on in there, but they're growing. But God says, I don't want you to grow by programs. I want you to grow by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't want you to be led by the, the latest thing that the conventions are saying that you ought to do. Did you know that church pastors go to church, to the conventions all the time and they want to learn the latest methods and the latest sermon series and what's cool? And we went to a church in California where my daughter goes to church and he said, well, I just got back from a conference and they said the hottest thing that you can do as a pastor this summer is doing a movie series. Now I thought, okay, so that I'm not against some, some of the things that they're saying, but don't you want to hear from the Holy Spirit what you're supposed to do? You know, I love what Dr. Sinpebwa said about, you know, we don't want to create another Bethel here. We don't want to create another Azusa. God's doing a new thing here in San Angelo, Texas. He's doing a new thing in you. He's doing a new thing in me. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. But see, before we can change this city, and I know we're, we're, we're doing it right now. But before we, we're going to see uh, incredible changes in this city, the change has got to start here. Say, so it's got to start in me. 
That's where the change has got to start, church. And then when it starts in you, then it will, it, will flow, it will flood over or overflow into your family. And then it will overflow into your school. It will overflow into your workplace. It will overflow into your everyday lifestyle. But it's got to begin with you. Say, it's got to begin with me. So, I'm going to give you nine things. I know that sounds like a lot, but these are, these are quick. These are, I know, I know. Nine points, cultivate. So if you're taking notes, write the word cultivate, because I've, I've got a point for each one of those letters in the word cultivate, and they, they truly are quick. The first one is, the C is for create. Say create. create. See, from the moment you get up in the morning, you are responsible. Say, I'm responsible. You're, you're responsible for creating the atmosphere for the day before you. Your, your wife isn't responsible. Your husband's not responsible. Your kids are. Listen, you as an individual are responsible for creating the atmosphere for your day. And you can set your day in motion. Mary Lou and I, nine times out of ten, we try to get together every morning. We go out and we get our coffee. And when we sit down and we say, let's set our day in motion. It's, it's something that we are purposeful about doing. We set our day in motion. And we say, God, this is your day. God, we give you praise. We start by praising him. We start by thanking him. We start by saying, we bless, and we bless our family. We bless our church family. And we pray for things. But God says, start your day. You are responsible for starting your day and setting your day in motion. Psalm 143.8 says, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. Say, say, God, see, God, he's, he's asking, the psalmist is saying, God, you caused me to do this. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me, say, cause me. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. I lift up my mind. I lift up my will. I lift up my emotions. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you can set your day in motion, and you can set it, and you can direct your compass to Jesus Christ, or you can focus on what's wrong in your life. You can focus on your job. You can focus on your finances. You can focus on your health. But listen, if you need to start your day and set it in motion, you need to focus on Jesus Christ. You need to set your day in motion get the word of God out read it read a devotional read a five-minute devotional keep one by the toilet if you got to but get some word in you set your day in motion speak life over each other if you're in a family speak life over your children don't just say oh I know you got to go to so get out of the house and mama I need no go you got to go no start blessing your children as they go to school say I speak life over you son I speak life over you daughter as you go today's going to be a great day for you you're going to learn you're going to grow and just start speaking life set your day in motion Listen, you know what? That, that's why we started today. I, I don't know. Some of you were a little bit late. A lot of you were late. But we had this video that said, do you believe in miracles? And there's a video to set this morning in motion. And then we saying, this is a house of worship. This is a house of healing. This is a, house, a place of praise. This is a house of miracles. But see, this is a house. But your house is a house of praise. Your house is a house of miracles. Your house is a house of healing. But it depends on what you're gonna, how you're going to look at your house this morning. Well, Pastor, you don't want to come look at my house. It don't look like everything but that. It's a house. It's a mess. But God said he can take that mess and change it if you'll let him. Okay? The second, the you is for uproot. Say uproot. 
If you and I are going to walk in a renewed mindset, you know what we have to do? We have to uproot the old mindset. Say uproot the old mindset. See, and again, th- these are all going to kind of flow together. You're going to get this and you're going to get it good this morning. But when you start changing the way you speak, you're going to start uprooting old mindsets. See, what God, God didn't plant the negative stuff in your mind. God didn't plant. See, the enemy is the one that plants the lies. God plants truth. God plants hope. God plants encouragement. He's the edifier. He's the, he builds you up. So when you wake up in the morning and you set your day in motion, you've got to start saying, what, what am I saying in the morning? Start taking note of what you're saying in the morning. How are you setting your day in motion? Are you ready to see a miracle? Are you ready to see another mess in the day? Are you ready to see God move in your life? Are you ready to see somebody move out of your life? You know, uproot, uproot. Romans 12, 2, we've heard, you've heard me re- preach this and speak it many times. And it's one of those great verses. Do not be conformed with this world. That means don't let the world shape you and mold you. Don't let video games shape you and mold you. Don't let sports shape you and mold you. Don't let the TV program shape you and mold you. Don't say any, let God shape you and mold you. Let your mom and dad, when they speak life, let them shape you and mold you. But we get shaped and molded by so many other things, don't we? We, we do. We, we let the world come in and, and it happens to all of us. But he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. Say transformed. That means to be changed by the renewing of your mind. That's like repentance, changing the way you think. That you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. God says, don't listen to the world's influence. Don't be run by the politics of the world. Be run by the word of God. Be run by the spirit of God. Be lifted and molded by the word and the spirit of God. That's what he talks about in Romans 12 too. The third one, the L is for love. Say love. And first, I was studying this because, you know, we were talking about miracles and signs and wonders. We've really been just pressing in what God wants to do through us as the body of Christ. And in verse, 1 Corinthians 12 and then 1 Corinthians 14, how many of you know they, they teach on the gifts, supernatural gifts, right? How many, do you know that or not? 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Talk about the, the unity of the body. Talk about the gifts and all these and signs and wonders. Uh, let, me, let me just read the, the 1 Corinthians 12. Let's begin at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that miracles and gifts of healings, plural, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers in miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will show yet I will show you a more excellent way. So he's talking about he's he's all for the supernatural. God is all for the gifts. God is all for us. He's all for the the, the prophetic. He's all for all these incredible gifts that he's given us. And yet he says, I want, I got to tell you, I got to caution you when you step into these gifts and you start operating in gifts, you got to do them. And there's a way to do them. And that's in L-O-V-E. That's in the agape. That's the selfless love of Christ that we've got to operate in the gifts. That's why he says there is a more excellent, let me show you a more excellent way. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, this is a, it flows right into it. This is, I know that Man divided these things into chapters, but this was a continuation of what Paul was writing. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. What has he said? I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. That's not really a good noise you want to wake up to. Anybody ever have any cymbals and you're in bed and somebody just comes up and you're, instead of alarm clock, you just have somebody go, Ooh, sorry about that. Spit zone. 
you know, it's a cl- or just coming with a gong to wake you up. When Wes was a kid, we needed a, a gong to get him out of bed, like, bong, you know, maybe he would get up. But he, he would like to sleep late, and we, it, it's really hard waking him up. But he says, listen, if all we do, and we have all these gifts, and yet if we, if we say we're doing what we're doing in the name of Jesus, but there's no love attached to it, he said, you're just making a lot of noise. You're just making a lot of noise. He said, although I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, say, I, he says, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So you can go ahead and read the the love chapter. It's all through. He says, these are things that are about love. This is what love isn't. He talks about love. All first chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Then he goes to 14. And look what he starts out with. Pursue love. Say, pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Then he goes and talks about and teaches about tongues. So he's talking about the gifts, love, and the gifts. But he says without love, we can't, we can't accomplish anything in the kingdom of God. We will not advance the kingdom of God by condemnation or even by the gifts if they're not done in love. Amen? Amen. So we have to walk in this beautiful thing called love. I wonder why Paul wrote that. Do you think he saw a lot of damage done by people? See, if you're one of these people, I've got this gift. And you want to go show people your gift and show off your gift. And there's not love attached to it. There's not humility attached to it. Listen, guys, you're just tooting your own horn. And God says, don't do that. Give me the glory is what God says. Okay? The fourth thing, the T is for Testify. That's what we had. We had testimonies this morning. We've been having more testimonies. But listen, testimonies really need to become a part of your everyday life, not just on a Sunday morning. You need to learn about your testimony this morning. Revelation 12, 11, and they, were, they overcame him. Who was him? That was Satan. That was the enemy. They, he says, we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And some people don't quote this part of it, which is very important. You shouldn't leave this part out. And they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, they didn't care if they were killed. They were going to give their testimony because they were covered by the blood of Jesus. Testify. Testify. Read books about other people's testimonies. Get built up when you, Mary Lou, got a book by Reinhard Bonnke. We've been reading that book together. Men, it will build your faith. Get these, get books that will, will tell you about these great men of faith that, that would, they didn't care if their life was threatened, but God would take them through situations and circumstances that were unbelievable. They were the impossible, and God would work in the impossible in their life. He'd work the impossible in their life. And the last time he went to where he was, he had been driven out of this one country, and they said, don't you come back here we will kill you eight years later because they continued to sow into that country he he stood before 1.6 million people at one time and preached the gospel of jesus christ a country that says we will kill you if you come back testimony after testimony and we can read about other people's testimonies it will build your faith you can read about uh, you, can, you can hear testimonies in church that will encourage you. But ultimately, you've got to develop your own testimony. Everybody in here, you have it. If you're saved, if you're saved today, you have a testimony. Say, I've got a testimony. 
You know, you got the greatest testimony. You know why? Because you were dead and now you're alive. You were raised from the dead, so to speak, spiritually. You were dead in your transgressions. Jesus came in and he spoke to you and he raised you from the dead. And that is a testimony. Oh, wow. Amen? You think, well, nobody wants to hear my testimony. How do you know that? How do you know that somebody doesn't want to hear your testimony? Well, you know, I was just, I was just a kid and I went to church camp and, you know, the Lord spoke to me. Oh, really? God, the creator, God spoke to you? That's not a big deal? Your heart was moved. You, had an, you weren't a violent criminal, and yet your heart was moved as a nine-year-old that really hadn't done anything, and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you don't think people need to hear, hear that? It doesn't always have to be at some a drug addict that's been to prison for 20 years. Amen? Amen? Some people just need to hear, what, how are you like you are? Do they see Jesus in you? And when they ask, you need to be ready to give your testimony. Every one of you, cultivate your testimony, practice your testimony, write your testimony down. It is important that people hear your story. The fifth thing, the fifth letter is I, and that is for intentional. Say intentional. Intentional. Every Sunday that we meet, we meet with intent. We don't come here because we don't have anything better to do. Oh, I think we're going to go have church today. No, we we have intent when we come here. Saturday when we come and practice, we have intent. On Wednesday night, we have intent. Monday night, there's intent. Tuesday night, there's intent. Wednesday night, it's all intentional. Your your life needs to be a life of intent. It needs to be intentional. Again, going back to the morning when you set your day in motion, what's your intention for that day? Is it just to make it through the day or is it to make it through the day victoriously? Is it it to make it just to get by? Because, you know, oh, okay. What happened? There we go. Is it just to get by? Because you know you can just get by. Or you can get by victoriously. Which one do you want? Because some of you are like, you know, if, if I just make it to the end of the day, I'm okay. If I've got food in my stomach and I've got clothes on my back, I'm okay. And God says, yay. That really wasn't why I created you to just get by. He created us to be victorious. He created us to be warriors. He created us to make a difference wherever we're at. And some of you are, listen, if you're, if you're settling, don't settle. Be a pioneer for Jesus Christ. Say, I'm a pioneer. I'm not a settler. Don't settle. If you settle, that's your own bad. That's, a, that's, that's on you. Because God's way bigger than that. He wants you to excel. So, I is for intent, is to be intentional. Ask the Holy Spirit as you begin your day, what is the purpose for me today? What do you have for me today, Holy Spirit? What should I expect to happen? Have an expectation. We've said it before and we'll say it again. Expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. When you wake up in the morning, do you have an expectation that there's going to be a divine appointment? Do you have an ex- expectation that there's going to be a divine appointment? One, two, three, five, ten. I don't know. You should. You should wake up and say, okay, God, who am I going to meet today that I get to encourage? Who am I going to meet today that I get to pray for? Who am I going to meet today that I'm going to get to speak life into their life? If you have intent when you wake up, your day will look totally different maybe than they've been looking in the past week. Y'all ready for a change in your day? 
Jesus was intentional, wasn't he? Everything he does was, was intentional. And who are we supposed to who are we supposed to go after and, and look to for our example? It's Jesus Christ. He did everything with intent. Remember a while back we preached on the woman at the well and John 4, 4 said, but Jesus said he needed to go through Samaria. When he got up, the disciples didn't know where they were going. Matter of fact, they said, well, you don't want to go through Samaria. Those people don't like you, Jesus. He said, I need to go through Samaria because there's one woman there that I need to speak to. See, when you get up in the morning, there may just be one person that you need to talk to. Just one. Because that one lady affected the village. One day he said, let's get in the boat. We got to go across the sea. And they said, well, we're going to go across the sea. He said, yeah, he didn't tell them where they were going to go, what they were going to do. But he had an intent. You know why he wanted to go across the sea? Because there was a demoniac that was living in the cemetery. That was naked. It was bleeding. Would, would break the chains. He was like some demonic t- dude. I mean, he was living out in, in the cemetery. And Jesus said, I got to go see a guy. And he goes and sees this guy, and they, the guy falls down and worships Jesus. Jesus casts the demons out of him and goes into the pigs. The guy gets up. He's all like in his right mind. Can you imagine him going home? Honey, I'm home. <laughs> you know, he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you go back. I've got 10 cities I want you to go witness to. And he went witness. He prepared ground. He was cultivating the area for Jesus Christ. See, what? Well, you don't even know that one person that you touch might be the next Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonk. You don't know that. So why don't you have some expectation about that? God, what's, what's the mystery of this day going to look like? We, we got Thursday. Uh, Thursday, we were, uh, I, I got one of those, I, get, I, get, I got a shot in my eye. And I'm for, it's, a, it's for macular degeneration. Anybody know what that is? And it's called the wet kind. It's not the good kind. And I'm believing God's going to touch me and heal me. But I got a shot that day. And, and normally when I get a shot, it's no big deal because I can still see okay. But I came home and I couldn't see for nothing now that right out. I mean, it's just blurry. I can't see. And I, I said, honey, you're going to, and she drove me home. And that night we were supposed to take food up to the college class at, at, at ASU. And so I said, honey, I, I, can't, I can't drive up there. She said, well, I'll, I'll, you just show me how to get, you, you go with me, and then you'll show me where to go, because I knew where to go, what room to get to. So we took the food up there, and we get there, and as soon as we get there, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Alvis, uh, Dr. Alvis, he says, uh, y'all mind praying for somebody? And we said, shoot, no, we would love to pray for somebody, you know? And so we got to pray for a young man that changed his day, changed his, maybe changed his life. Because we had a divine appointment. But see, we already set our day in motion. God, this is your day. Give us this day. See, he'll, he, will, he will lead you into places that you didn't even think you could get into. So you can give a word to somebody and encourage somebody. I need to move on. V, number six. V is for vision. Say vision. vision. See, as kingdom people, we have to have a different vision. Now, I'm not talking about the vision where, woo. You know, and Jesus appears, and, and I've, I've had a vision like that, and many of you have had visions and multiple visions, but I'm not talking about that kind of vision right now. I'm talking about eyes to see. I'm talking about God's eyes seeing through you, God looking and using your eyes to see out. Vision involves seeing things from a heavenly perspective. You know, I know that we see things from a heavenly perspective or can, because the Bible says we can. It says we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. So we have a different perspective, say perspective. We have a different perspective of what we see as believers than the world sees. Do y'all believe that? 
you and I should, and I believe that this isn't just a gift that God gave me when I went into the jail. And I see the guys in the orange jumpsuits and I think, I don't see prisoners. I don't see inmates. I don't see convicts. I see men that need Jesus. I see potential in these men. We should have that same kind of vision for the people that we see in everyday life. See, we can look at them and go, well, they're a lost cause. Or we can say, man, God's got a plan for your life. And he will give you a different way to look at people. You can, you, can, you can see people through the lens of disappointment. Or you can see people through the lens directed by Jesus Christ himself. Directed by the Holy Spirit to see what other people can't see. You know, the thing is, God saw you. He saw you at your worst. Would you agree? What if he'd have just said, yeah, I don't think I want to die for her. She's not a very good person. I don't think I want to die for him. I know he's not going to do good. I mean, what, what the Bible says, Jesus died once for all. He died once for all. You know why? Because he saw humanity needed a savior. We need to see that humanity needs a savior. So when we walk the streets, when we go out here, then when you see that, 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 cantankerous guy that's in the, in, the, in the next room that you work with that you can't really stand, start praying for him. Start praying for her. Start praying for your neighbor that kicks and throws the beer bottles in your yard. Or lets their dog come poop in your yard. I had a neighbor that did that. She had, they had an old dog, and he would come out in the morning. He was, he was a chain smoker. He would come out and sit on the porch like this with his cigarette. His big old ugly dog would he Now don't you poop in my yard, boy. Go over there to the Watkins house. <laughs> big old poop. And I gotta tell you, I didn't have Jesus like I got Jesus now. It's like one day, I gotta tell you that I'm gonna confess. One day I took a shovel and I scooped up all the poop and I put it back in his yard. No, that's not good. Yeah, go get them, Pastor. That's the love of Jesus. <laughs> I don't even know if Mary Lou even knew that. But he was a mean dog. And you know, I was just, if he was pooping my yard, I wasn't going near him until he got through and got back because I thought he would you know, chew me up. But uh, one day I got to do that man's funeral. They asked me because I got to go talk to him about Jesus. Most people would have said he's a lost cause. He's a lost cause. See, there are lost causes all around this church. But if you don't have the vision to see what Jesus sees, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Some of you think, well, how can I see? How can I see? Would you just ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. See, he's prepared the good works. He prepared the neighbor. He knew that my, who my neighbor was going to be. I didn't know when we moved in. I didn't know who our neighbors were. I didn't know that this little lady across the street who was a, a former alcoholic, a reformed alcoholic that was a chain smoker, would eventually give our church thirty to forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 for this building. I didn't know that. Little Sudie Craig. Harold, could you come over and pray? 
I'd go over there and pray. Mary Lou would say, hey, let's take some food to Sudi. We didn't know she had a pot to, you know, whatever. <laughs> we just saw a little elderly lady that needed Jesus. And then she would say, could you, oh, I want to write you a check for $50. We'd, Don't do that. We know you can barely afford your cigarettes, you know. <laughs> She had an old car. She had fired up. It was smoke. And the only time she'd leave her house was to go get cigarettes. But you know what? We found out about Sudi. She loved Jesus Christ. And she loved it when we would come and pray for her. And one day she wrote us a little check for $50. And then one day $100. And then $500. Then one day she said, I've got a check. Could y'all come get it? And it was $10,000. And then she said, no, make it for $20,000. For this church. For the sake of the gospel, that's what she would memo every check. Y'all remember that, don't you, Christian, Mark? And then one day they said, Sudi's passed. Can you do her funeral? That's how it works, guys. You just do something. You love somebody. You see people that maybe nobody else sees. And you start walking in that faith that God gives you to see. He's prepared good works for you. That's the cool thing. He's already prepared them. He just wants you to see them. So when you see them, you can activate the faith that's in you. That's the seventh thing. The A is for activation. Say activation. You know, we live in a society that says, you see something, you say something. You're in an airport. You see a bag sitting in a backpack by itself. Nobody around it. What do you do? You say something. You go and say, security, there's a, there's a backpack over here. Yes, sir, thank you. And then they get that and they usher it out of there. And then they start calling to find out if there's a, looking to see if it's a bomb or whatever it is. But it says, see something, say something. If you hear, if you see something going on at school, you see, you read something on Facebook and it says, hey, we're going to go and we're going to do some destruction here. You need to say something because you never know if these people are, are, are faking it or they're really going to do it. So you need to say something. The, the same thing works in the kingdom of God. You see something, then do something. See something, do something. Don't just go, oh, God, we just bless you. Go be well fed. Listen, here's what it says in James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Because can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things, say give. But do you not give them the things which are needed for the body? What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is D-E-A, dead. Friday, I was down there. I didn't have much. I was so far behind Friday. And I went down. to. I tried to go every Friday, go down to the pantry. Lucinda, she'll always grab me and make me get a haircut. We got these ladies, these beautiful ladies down there cutting hair. And I'm, it doesn't matter if you're homeless or you're the pastor. They cut your hair. But you know what? You don't just get your hair cut. You get prayer. Hair and a prayer. That's a good slogan. Well, I said, Dad, the, the, it was packed all day long. From 1.30 to 7, they were giving out food and praying. What if we just had a prayer time? Say, y'all, you need food? Come down here. We'll pray for you. 
And they say, okay, well, what's next? No, we're just going to pray for you. Be well fed. I hope you get some food. Here's a coupon. <laughs> no, they give them, we give them food. You give them food. Do you think that God doesn't see that? You think that what we have here is because we're stingy? No, because we give it away. We give it away. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and thousands and thousands of pounds of food is given by this church every year because you care. And faith without works is dead. So listen, we're not doing, we're not just doing the faith thing. We're doing the works thing. It works together. Amen. Amen. The eighth thing, I'm almost done. We're actually past 12 already. Cowboys play tomorrow night, just in case you're wondering, <laughs> if you care. I'm sure the Texans are playing at noon because they always put them in the early game, right? Because, it's, all right, anyway. <laughs> T is for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is kind of like love. You really can't do what God's called you to do without love and without Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving will transform your mind. Did you know that? In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, In everything give thanks. In everything. Say everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, 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 and you, and all of you. This is God's will that we give thanks for everything, in everything. It's the will of God. See, if you start being a person of thanksgiving, it will take you from being a whiner to a winner. It will take you from being a complainer to a complimenter. You'll, you'll start complimenting people instead of complaining about people. The best way to change from having an attitude of satitude, I made up that word, is having an attitude of gratitude. Attitude of satitude, ah, woe is me, everything's falling apart. And attitude of gratitude is, thank you, God, you're walking with me through this fire. You're walking with me through this storm. I couldn't do this without you, Lord. Start counting your blessings. You want to start your day out. You want to set your day in motion. Start thanking God. Start thanking God. Number nine and final. The E is for evaluate. I know that doesn't sound very spiritual. Evaluate. You know, Jesus was an evaluator. Ever at the... At the end of ministry time, he would send the, the, the 12 out. He'd send the 70 out. He would, and they would all gather back together, and he would start evaluating what happened today. How did it go? You know, oh, man, demons were flying out of there, man. They were doing what we said to do. And Jesus said, hey, don't be, don't be so concerned about that. Be concerned that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He would evaluate the situation. They came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and he would evaluate. And then the disciples started evaluating. And they would start asking him questions about this parable or about this thing that he just did. And and they said, well, you're not supposed to be around that woman. He said, let me tell you about that. He would, they would evaluate their day. And, and there was a great, you know, the walk to Emmaus. This is the last scripture I want to read. Luke 12, 24, 32. This is when the, the men, they thought Jesus had died. He wasn't coming back. And they were disappointed. So they're walking away from Jerusalem. And they're on the road to Emmaus. And they said, and Jesus showed up and began to teach them again. Remember? He began to teach them. They, they, after he left them, after he just disappeared in front of them, said, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? 
They were assessing, they were evaluating their time with Jesus. What have we missed here? We missed the Messiah. We missed the Savior. We, he was right there. We, he was having dinner with us. He was talking to us, and we missed him. See, if you don't set your day, if you don't expect God to do great and mighty things every day in your life, if you don't have an expectation of God, you will miss opportunities that could change your life and change somebody else's life. That's what missed opportunities are. We, listen, you need to go back. God, at the end of the day, I know some of you, you, may, you have a hard job and you work hard and you get home and you're tired and you don't want to do anything. But if you would just say, God, did I miss anything today? Did I, did I miss you somewhere? Did I miss the, the work that you had prepared for me? God, I don't want to miss those opportunities. God, show them to me. Help me to be obedient and walk in obedience when you show me these things. Give me the eyes to see. I want to walk through my day with expectation and with faith, not with fear. And finally, you would say, God, in my day, at the end of my day, did you gain any glory? Or was it always about me? Was my day about me? Or was it about you? He'll tell you. He'll do it with love. There's no condemnation from Jesus Christ. And he'll say, you know what, Harold? You missed one today. You missed a blessing. You missed that waitress or that waiter that was thinking about killing themselves. You missed that opportunity. We miss them all the time, church. Let's miss them less. Let's miss less opportunity. Let's, let's find those places where we can minister to people and not get in such a big hurry that we, that we say, God, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. Assess your day. Evaluate your day. Evaluate your responses to the opportunities that were presented to you. Jesus said, I've got good works prepared beforehand before you that you would walk in them. Would you stand?